Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley-Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Our next guest, who is the Local Government Minister, Simon Clark, who joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I know that the Health Secretary, uh, Matt Hancock, was due to be on the media round this morning and they decided uh, to uh, replace him. I'm very happy to have you on the show. I'm very grateful for you to speak to us. But has he decided to pull out because of obviously rather difficult questions regarding what Professor Neil Ferguson has had to say? Uh, I have absolutely uh, no idea as to uh, as to the circumstances behind that. I've obviously been asked to do the morning media round. Matt is an immensely busy guy. He's the Secretary of State for Health at a time which is obviously so pivotal to making key decisions saving lives. I imagine that uh, uh, there is a lot of work to be done, for, you know, as you can imagine, right through the day and night. And, you know, I'm here to talk to you this morning about okay. obviously all the progress which we've been able to make, including crucially yesterday's announcement on uh, on okay. bubbles, which I think will will be a big a big relief to so Absolutely. many of you. Absolutely. No, I was I was I was just intrigued by the, the by the decision, but we are delighted to have you with us, sir. Uh, let's talk about those support bubbles. Single adults with or without children under under eighteen are now allowed to form a effectively a bubble with another single household as of Saturday night. They can stay overnight. It means families can meet up. Singles. Well, I suppose we've legalised uh, single sex once again, which is very exciting. I'm sure for those in, those who are single. Um, why why is um, the government announcing this now? Lots of people are suggesting that actually a lot. Of families have been doing what Boris Johnson said some time ago, using their common sense, and have done this already. Well, it's a reflection of the fact that we're making progress through this pandemic, and you know that is much to be welcomed. Obviously, the number of infections is coming down; that's fantastic. The number of uh, fatalities, you know, it's still tragically uh, too high, but it is now in, in moving in a, in a very positive direction. And as such, we can start to give a bit more normality and a bit more freedom back to people. And, you know, that is something which uh, we'll continue to do over the weeks ahead until we get back to full normality. And, you know, I think we should all welcome that, uh, uh, that progress. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about the, the the progress that has been made. I mean, there's lots of uh, um, discussion about this two metre rule. Uh, the Daily Telegraph today reporting that it may well be uh, uh, scrapped by September, going against the advice of the uh, the medical and uh, scientific advisors to enable not just schools to reopen fully, but also uh, other businesses, particularly the hospitality industry, to to actually come back on a viable basis. How likely is that? 
Well, we are always working on the basis of the scientific advice that we receive and making judgments uh, accordingly. Clearly, we would love to be able to, uh, you know, address the, the issues surrounding the distance we have to keep from other people. We recognise fully the challenges that that brings to large parts uh, of our economy. Uh, it is a, it is a, you know, a major challenge. But equally, you know, throughout this, we've been guided in good faith by the advice that we've received. We'll continue to reflect that uh, in the advice that we offer the general public. Okay, well, let's uh, talk about the advice given to the general public. And indeed, the rules that were imposed uh, on the uh, 23rd of March, the Prime Minister went on television and announced that we were going into lockdown as of midnight that night. He said he was doing it on the advice of the medical and scientific advisors on the SAGE committee. Professor Neil Ferguson was a senior advisor on that committee. He's at Perian College. Of course, we know why he had to resign, because he, he formed his social bubble rather earlier than he was allowed to do so. Um, his models drove an awful lot of the, the lockdown. He told a common committee yesterday that Britain's death toll would have been halved if lockdown had happened a week earlier. Is he right? Well, everyone can see for themselves the guidance that we've received from our scientific community. We published the uh, the SAGE guidance minutes uh, so that people can can interrogate that data and you know that advice precisely for these reasons, because it is so complex and so nuanced, and because we're all working, including our scientists, on the basis of a fast-evolving situation. Professor Ferguson has set out his thoughts on this. He's very entitled uh, to do so. But I'm very clear that we, we, you know, we, we, we acted on the basis of the advice and the information available to us uh, back in March, and we have clearly put in place a very comprehensive package of measures to protect the public, to save lives and livelihoods. And I think you know, we obviously have uh, ensured that many, many people uh, lives have been saved over the course of the last few months, thanks to our work together. Well, indeed. Um, again, it, it's, it's a simple matter of fact that, that we have seen the uh, minutes of the SAGE committee. I mean, just, when, they, when they meet, we've seen that they made a decision on March the 13th, 10 days before lockdown was announced, a unanimous decision that they should not lock down. The government should not lock down at that time. That was just three days before when Neil Ferguson is now saying with great hindsight and 2020 vision that the government should have locked down. Are you confident that when, and there will be, of course, when there is a, a public inquiry into this, the Prime Minister said yes, it was too soon to judge, it was premature, that when in the months and years to come there is a full inquiry, that the government will have followed the correct medical and science advice they were given at the time? Yes, I am absolutely confident about that. The government has, you know, always, as any government would, candidly, has always followed the best practice and guidance open to us. And, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we've all hated the experience of the last year. Nobody has, uh, you know, derived satisfaction from it at all. But we've, we've wrestled with these unenviable choices. I think the British public have, you know, done a phenomenal job, frankly, of, of, of soldiering through this. And I think that the subsequent... Uh, inquiries which will look at this uh, and you know the long sweep of uh, of history when we when we come back to you know to, to, to look at the the choices that were made will say that the government did its level best in appallingly difficult circumstances and actually that you know the British response was very strong
And and yet we are seeing a death toll that's now looking likely to hit 50,000. One thing Professor Chris Whitty did say yesterday, the chief medical officer, a man who's got immense trust from the public, uh, uh, as all the polls have shown, he said if he could change one thing, it would have been speeding up testing so there was a better picture, so they had more information. Of course, then different decisions may have been taken. And of course, Public Health England responsible for the testing. Do you, does the government, do you represent the government today, do you regret that, that we did not carry out sort of the testing regime, which countries like South Korea, like Germany have successfully carried out and have seen far lower deaths as a result? Well, we've instigated, obviously, the test and trace programme. It's fantastic that we now have the capability that, that underpins that 200,000 tests uh, per day, uh, which is what's required to make that work. The UK simply did not have that diagnostic capacity going into this, uh, into this crisis. That's uh, something which uh, you know, we will obviously not be in a position in, in future. You know, we will obviously have that capability, which is great. Uh, it just reflects the nature of our uh, industrial and scientific base at that uh, at that point. And you know, clearly, uh, Professor Whitty has set out his thinking on this. It's very hard to disagree with the analysis that more testing uh, would have been fantastic. But as I say, we worked on the basis of the resource that we had available to us at the time. Very, very few countries had the level of testing capability uh, that we're talking about uh, back in March. I mean, that's just a reflection of uh, the, you know, the fact that this is a challenge that none of us have ever had to wrestle with before. It's not something, I think, against which we can be judged harshly because it's, it, it simply was not something anybody was really talking about. Yeah, again, a lot, a lot of people say they were talking about it now, but again, can't, can't seem to find any of those things on the record. Let's talk about the UK economy, though. The OECD have reported uh, that the UK economy is to suffer worse than any other Western economy um, uh, at an 11.5% drop in our GDP, although, to be fair, it's within a tiny fraction of the same sort of predictions for France, Spain and Italy, a lot worse than, uh, than Germany, a lot worse than the United States. Why is our economy going to suffer so much worse than any other? Well, these are obviously forecasts. Uh, it's very hard at this point in time to see precisely how they will all play out. And we've seen in recent years some of the challenges of modelling economic uh, data. Uh, things would have you know, played out very differently uh, over the last few years if those forecasts had been uh, consistently right. What we can say clearly is we recognise as a major economic uh, challenge. We are hugely uh, you know, con concerned about the impact on livelihoods. We are working flat out to make sure that we can start to reopen our economy safely. And next week is a big milestone in that with the reopening of uh, non-essential uh, retail. So there is you know, good news for people to look to. We're very grateful for the, the way in which people have been uh, you know, working flat out to get their businesses ready to make the necessary adjustments uh, to enable us to return to much greater normality pretty quickly. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Let's uh, talk more about uh, whether or not we are going to get back to work, get our shops reopened and our schools reopened and send our kids back to the classroom with the Shadow Health Secretary, Jonathan Ashworth, who joins us now. Good morning to you. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Lovely to speak to you, Jonathan. Um, let's uh, let's talk about the clash that happened at Prime Minister's questions yesterday between Boris Johnson and your uh, boss, Labour leader, Keir Starmer, uh, about uh, the decision uh, over the, uh, the the school situation and the government being accused of mishandling reopening schools and putting, uh, Sir Keir Starmer puts, at risk the welfare and education of children. What should the government be doing now that they're not doing? Well, I mean, we're calling on the government to work with us, work with teachers, work with parents groups, work with governors to make our schools safe. And look, if that means using wider facilities in the community, let's use those wider facilities. If that means, you know, throwing up new buildings like they did for the NHS with the Nightingale hospitals, why can we not have a similar strategy for our schools? Then let's do it. And also the government said they were going to give children laptops and iPads and so on, but they've never delivered them. So there's lots of things the government could do. We just need them to show greater urgency because we know how devastating it is for our children not to be getting an education. Uh, well, indeed, um, uh, absolutely a big concern about that. I understand, yeah, 230,000 laptops or iPads just on that matter were supposed to be delivered. We're told 100,000 have, but, you know, again, we're talking, what, three months in? I'm thinking I could have managed to have gone to Curry's or John Lewis or wherever and bought enough by now and, and had those delivered. Um, in terms of using wider facilities, you're, is the argument here that with a two-metre social distancing, 15 children to a classroom, most primary schools certainly, and, and secondary schools as well, but primary schools don't actually have uh, the sort of space to be able to do that. They don't have, funnily enough, a second set of classrooms ready to use so you're saying what using leisure centers using um, libraries or or, or or other places which which are currently lying idle right now well exactly in every community there will be different facilities whether it's a community center a library there may well be empty theaters um, not being used maybe some sports facilities which are not being used why can't we take advantage of them but also look the nhs threw up these nightingale hospitals uh, you know, uh, with, with speed, everyone says it was a great initiative. What they did, a lot of these were, were not. A lot of these nightingale hospitals were not actually used as it happened, but it shows what can what can be done when you put your shoulders to the wheel. Well, I mean, to so be fair, fun. they were buildings already. They didn't build the Excel Centre in London. It still it already existed. But they converted it to a functional hospital. So they may well be buildings like that, which can be converted, yeah. I think the point is. So we're just calling on the government to show show a bit of imagination, show a bit of creativity and work with us, work with the teachers' unions, work with parents, because 
because this is now an education crisis. We've got a public health crisis, an economic crisis, and now an education crisis. And we but, know if our children are not in education, it's, it will build up all kinds of long-term problems. Look, this is something I've been, uh, I've been wittering on about for quite some months now on the show. I'm very, very concerned about this. But uh, it's a fair point that Boris Johnson made in Prime Minister's Questions yesterday that only a few weeks ago, Keir Starmer and the Labour Party were criticising the government for wanting to bring children back to school. But that's because they were trying to push children back into school with no plan and were not putting in the, me- the proper measures in place to keep pe- children and teachers safe. We want children to go back to school safely. Uh, now what's happened is the government have realised they cannot get children back into school safely, but it's like they've just given up. They've just said, oh, well, you know, let's, you know, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll just sort of, you know, we'll come back to you. That's not good enough. We need action from the government and we're prepared you- to work with them. Would this, I mean, would, I mean, again, I think a lot of those ideas are very sensible. A lot of other sensible people have been making these points as well. Do you think the crucial thing would be scrapping that two metre rule, given that you're always told we need to follow the science? If, if the World Health Organization says one metre is fine, not, it doesn't have to be two metres, that would make a massive difference to the number of children who could go back to class? I think we need to, that decision has to be based on what our scientific advice is. And yes, the World Health Organization have got that recommendation. But don't forget, the World Health Organization's recommendation comes as part of a wider suite of things, including a functional testing and tracing regime, as it's not fully up and running, and they have stronger guidance than we do on face mask wearing and things like that. So you have to look at all the different interventions you're taking in the round. But if our scientific advice is that the two-metre rule can, can be looked at again, then, of course, we have to go with what our scientific advice is. Okay, and um, in uh, in terms of uh, other uh, announcements yesterday, the Boris Johnson announced these support bubbles for single adults with or without children, forming another bubble with with another single household as well. Uh, one uh, doctor we spoke to earlier said this was sort of bolting the stable door after the horse was bolted because actually um, this is what an awful lot of households have already been doing. Um, are you concerned though that this will actually see a rise in infection rates? Is this too soon or is this too late? And actually, people could have been doing this all along. Well, obviously, I've always said we need to proceed with caution because this virus remains deadly, it remains um, uh, serious and it's still prevalent in the community. But equally, you know, I'm well aware that there's a lot of people who are on their own who have been really struggling with this lockdown um, and probably affecting their mental health as well. Uh, and I think this will be welcomed by a lot of people. So if it's based on scientific advice, and I scientists think this this is will not um, uh, lead to a detrimental increase in the infection rates, then, then we, in, we endorse it. But we should, always, we should always be guided by the science. Well, again, now this, this is, with this phrase, the science, and guided by the science, this has come up from all sides, and it tends to be used either for the government or against the government. <laughs> Professor Neil Ferguson from Imperial College, formerly on the SAGE committee, before he uh, basically created his support bubble with his married lover rather sooner than he was allowed to, um, his models were crucial in terms of driving the lockdown. He told a Commons committee yesterday that Britain's death toll would have been halved if we'd gone into lockdown a week earlier. Um, this is something, again, that your party leader, and you've talked about often, and Kiz Thomas often said, you know, we should have locked down earlier. Now, we know what the evidence was uh, from the SAGE committee at the time. We know what the scientific and medical advice was because we've seen the minutes of the SAGE advisors. And on March the 13th, 10 days before we did actually have the lockdown announcement, they argued that we should not lock down at that time. Do you think that hindsight is a very useful thing for both um, Imperial College professors and indeed party leaders? Well, I think uh, I think we, <laughs> us politicians, always have the benefit of that. Actually, as you know, I think the point is when you look back, a lot of us were 
asking why the UK was following one path, but lots of European countries appear to be going much sooner into lockdown or, or uh, enforce, uh, you know, enforce social distancing, but compulsory social distancing, as it tended to be uh, referred to more in them days rather than lockdown. And I think, well, no, those think, are different things. Social distancing is what we're going to continue doing for probably many, many months after we come out of compulsory. lockdown. No, compulsory and things like that. And, uh, and, and we, people were asking questions as to why you know, Germany is going down this particular path, Italy is going down that path, and why the UK weren't. Uh, um, so the questions were raised. The questions were definitely raised. I raised them as well with ministers and in the, and in the House of Commons. And indeed, I actually called for a lockdown just before the government actually went into lockdown because I felt that the government's advice on social distancing was not being adhered to, and I thought we needed to go, in, go into lockdown. Okay, but but would you, if you had been in government, if you'd been the health secretary and Keir Starmer had been prime minister, would you, um, on you know, on the the um, on March the thirteenth or or you know March the sixteenth or whenever, uh, a week before the lockdown we, we, we was announced, would you have gone against the advice of the unanimous advice of the Sage Committee of you know hundred experts and the advice of the chief medical officer and the chief scientific advisor and locked down a week earlier than the medical and scientific advice was was telling you to do? Would you have done that? I think the point is we would have been questioning why our Indeed. scientific advisers were advising that when quite clearly scientific advisers in other nations must have been advising their governments for a different approach. And if you recall at the time, it was actually Jeremy Hunt, as the former, as you know, former Tory Health Secretary and Chair of the Health Select Committee, who was very forthright speaking out saying the government was making mistakes here and we should be following the advice that countries like South Korea and others had been following. So I think we would have been questioning that advice at the time. But as you say, Julia, you know, hindsight is a, um, is a marvellous thing, isn't it? Isn't it? Can I also ask you about uh, the ongoing row about the council culture that's going on? Uh, this, this, I mean, it's been going on for many years anyway. In any, anything that uh, doesn't actually adhere to our exacting moral standards of today uh, should be somehow deleted from our history. We've seen this with the toppling of statues. And now it's turning to TV shows and films, HBO cancelling uh, any, uh, uh, any uh, streaming of Gone with the Wind, a multi-Oscar winning uh, film. Netflix and the BBC uh, d- deleting Little Britain from their streaming services. Anton Deck apologising for an episode of Saturday Night Takeaway. Um, are you comfortable that this is where a lot of left-wing culture is leading us to actually effectively deleting an awful lot of our, our culture and comedy because someone doesn't like it? Are you comfortable with that? But I, don't, I don't think it's about someone liking it. I mean, some of those um, programmes that you refer to sort of reinforce racial stereotypes, which I don't think is acceptable. Uh, and I understand why the the, the, you know, the BBC would want to take some of those programmes off their off their streaming services. I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know, racism is a very serious thing, and reinforcing racial stereotypes is something that we shouldn't accept and we should challenge. I mean, we don't have. Uh, I mean, I mean, you can have an argument about Little Britain, but I don't think anyone would propose that Love Thy Neighbour should be streamed on the BBC. Box, uh, you know, service or, or, or those no, I would, I would, I would. I, I, I mean, no, I, I don't have to agree. You know, I never found Jim Davidson's fun. You know, I mean, chalky things. I never found any of that funny. Always felt that was uncomfortable, even when I was very young, because it, it didn't adhere to my 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 moral values that I, I was raised with. But. But does that does that mean we condone it? I mean, when I walk past a statue of someone who 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 thought that women were too stupid to be allowed to vote, or that black people should be slaves, I mean, horrible, 
horrific views that aren't acceptable today, it doesn't mean that it affects me today. Um, Little Britain wouldn't be made right now. Friends wouldn't be made right now. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't allow people to see it and in the context in which it was made. Same with Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind reflected the values at the time. Why do we think it should have reflected the values of today? Because I think, I mean, I, I, I think that our, our values today are ones of uh, ones of tolerance and vehemently anti-racist, and I so I understand why the BBC will want to take some of those programmes off its off its streaming service, and I and uh, and, I, and I think they've made the right decision on that. Okay, right. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree on this, but um, when they come for the programmes that you do like, would well, you think you'll stand up at, um, then and be counted? But I don't like I don't like programmes which reinforce racial stereotypes. What about the show? There might be some shows that, uh, I mean, again, an awful lot of stereotypes are in Friends. When they come for Friends, will you stand up for Friends? I actually never watch. I actually, uh, well, I, you know. Oh, well, it's okay. So if you don't watch it, then it's okay. So we can come for, <laughs> they can come for every show you don't like and you don't watch. But as long as they don't come for anything you watch, then you're okay. Well, it's, not about what, it's not about my personal preference. It's like, I don't, it is, I think, isn't it? Uh, well, no, it's not because I don't, it's, it's about, I, I think shows that reinforce racial stereotypes that, that are offensive and, and, we should challenge um, uh, systemic racism in society. Well, yes, but we can't challenge the past. We can only challenge the current. No, we can't challenge the past. That is correct. And we, but we should have a debate about the past. And we shouldn't run away from uh, issues in our past. And, and nor should we just accept things in our past. You know, we should, we should challenge it. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Well, let's talk now, right now about the uh, lockdown timing as well uh, with my first guest of this hour, Professor Dame Anne Glover, who's president of the Royal Society of Edinburgh and a former chief scientific advisor to the president of the European Commission back in uh, 2012 to 2014. Good morning to you. Good morning. I'm never quite sure how to address people who are both a professor and a dame. May I call you Anne? That would be easy. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, as I'm unlikely to ever have any of these uh, very, very highfalutin titles. <laughs> uh, Anne, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let's talk first of all about the timing of the lockdown. Professor Neil Ferguson uh, of Imperial College, he's still obviously running major uh, you know, models regarding this coronavirus. He was on the SAGE committee until he had to resign after he it emerged that he was breaking the rules that he had uh, helped instigate. Uh, he said yesterday in evidence to the Commons Committee that, um, uh, that Britain's death toll would have been hard if lockdown had happened a week earlier. Um, is he right? I, I couldn't comment on whether it would have been halved, but I think we're fairly certain that certainly the number of deaths would have been significantly reduced if we'd locked down earlier. We had an awful lot of evidence uh, prior to our own lockdown by looking at other countries possibly most significantly Italy, and how badly it was faring with the virus. And there was no reason to assume that we would be any different. So we had the luxury of actually seeing a coronavirus pandemic play out in other countries. And we chose not to lock down. I don't know why that is, but it did lead to more deaths. Is that we do know why it is, don't we? Because we've got the minutes uh, from the SAGE committee meetings uh, and um, they've all been revealed in, in recent weeks. And on March the 13th, so 10 days before the lockdown was announced, three days before when apparently Neil Ferguson thinks we should have locked down, there was a unanimous, not, not debate and they'd come down to majority opinion, unanimous opinion, therefore Professor Neil Ferguson must have concurred, that there should not be uh, a lockdown at that time. Um, the, 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 the actual 
Hospital quoted Sage was unanimous that measures seeking to completely suppress spread of COVID-19 will cause a second peak. Sage advises that it is a near certainty that countries such as China, where heavy suppression is underway, would experience a second peak once measures are relaxed. And obviously what they mean by heavy suppression is a, a full lockdown. Yeah, I think there is other information that's not referred to there, and that is whether or not the UK had any other options. So if we look at countries that did choose to lock down hard and to lock down early, they also had the capacity to test and also track and trace to try and minimise the impact of the virus. And it seems to me that in the early days of March, we understood that we didn't have that capacity we also understood that there would be significant deaths because of the modelling that, that was available to us. And I think at that time the option was that we couldn't lock down or we chose not to lock down. Um, and I, I think what you're seeing with the SAGE minutes is, you know, if you, as a scientist, if you ask me a single question, I will try to answer that question. But you don't do that in isolation. You have lots yeah. of other information. And I think SAGE were being informed also by other groups who, in fact, did suggest that lockdown would have been a better approach to limit deaths. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the thing, though. It's, it's a question of how long people are willing to go into lockdown for, isn't it? And how long it would last. And I remember uh, Chris Whitty and Patrick Valance answering questions at the time about this, uh, about the idea that you know people will only sort of put up with lockdown for so long, but also people will only obey lockdown strictly without, say, the military being on the streets uh, forcing us to do so, as happened in China and uh, as a previous guest has pointed out in Israel as well. Um, once you have seen how serious it is, uh, and of course, watching what happened in Italy, the concern seemed to be there that their health service was overrun and the, the, the priority therefore was this protecting the NHS and, and taking this time to build up the NHS resources uh, and to make sure we had enough ICU beds, had enough ventilators and had enough staff and that was done and, and, and has been done very successful no patient has not been treated because uh, there wasn't the equipment or the staff to treat them. Um, so it was a different priority wasn't it? But, but do you think we could have gone into lockdown a week earlier when we'd seen barely any deaths at all uh, and that people would have obeyed it for this length of time? Yeah, I think we could. And actually, you bring up an interesting point there, and that is uh, the discussion around whether whether or not people in the UK would be prepared to go into lockdown. And I think that was a discussion that was quite a live discussion early on, I suppose, at the end of February and the beginning of March. And this feeling perhaps maybe more from social scientists, that this would be a very hard thing for people in the UK to do. And as we know, it hasn't been a hard thing. I mean, I know it's actually physically been hard for all of us uh, and mentally hard for very many people. But nevertheless, it has been done for a purpose to try and reduce the spread of the coronavirus. So we did respond very well, I would say. And I'd have to look at other countries. And um, I mean, a shining example of an excellent response has been New Zealand, where they did lock down hard and early. They reduced people coming into the country. They tracked and traced um, and they managed to suppress the virus. And they I, I, I think they're calling themselves virus free. I don't know if, if that's a reasonable way to describe it. But there have been no cases in New Zealand for some 17 days and uh, out of a population of five and a half million around uh, I think there have been 22 deaths that's an enviable record so it shows you what you can do with it confidence is, it is, in government. 
isn't it an awful lot easier though to to uh, you know, go into lockdown and uh, and and save lives if you are a country on the other side of the world from from most other countries as, as New Zealand is other than Australia, but you know an island nation far far away that isn't isn't a hub, you know, doesn't have a major hub airport, doesn't have people just constantly travelling. We know that most of the virus uh, imported to this country happened in in February March uh, from Italy and Spain, you know, not from people flying in from Wuhan. Um, New Zealand doesn't have a culture where people are just popping over for a week to another country very nearby where they, they were having the spread of the virus. So much of this is down to, you know, geo geo realities, surely. Yeah, actually, it's uh, again a good example because uh, with Chinese New Year, uh, New Zealand is uh, an absolute top destination for people going early in the year to New Zealand. And so what they did was recognising that and thinking of themselves in the way you've described London as a hub for people coming in for tourism as a, a major part of the economy in New Zealand. They closed the border to people coming in. So we do understand that London and Heathrow as an airport is a major global hub. It's one of the biggest in the world where people travel in and out. And so that would have been an ideal place to consider trying to reduce import of coronavirus because you're right, it did come in, it didn't uh, start in the UK. We imported cases. So if we had minimised that import of cases, and we're getting a lot more information now about how many cases did come in, then we could have limited the initial number of cases in the UK and that may have made it possible to... uh, test, track, trace and isolate those people and again, minimise the impact. Yeah, indeed. Can I ask you finally also about these support bubbles? Obviously, uh, there's a lot of people calling for you know the lockdown to be eased, uh, for people to be able to go back to bars and restaurants and reopen you know, cinemas, theatres, and the shops going to be opening on Monday, and people going and kids going back to school. But all we're seeing is still two metre rule, which prevents a lot of that from happening, and the promise of these support bubbles from the weekend. Do you expect that the support bubbles allowing single adults with or without children to form effectively a bubble with another single household? Do you expect that that will see the R rate go up and infection rate go up? That's hard to judge. I mean, this is a relaxation for England only. And I think it it will be interesting to see what happens. It's limited. And I think as long as um, if if these support bubbles do work, and I can understand the need if you have isolated people who are desperately lonely, wanting to join up with another in a a limited way, very limited way. Uh, And again, as long as all the other Uh, rules are observed, the social distancing, the two metre rule, the washing uh, of hands and so on, Uh, the wearing of face coverings again in in public places, then I'd hope we would keep that uh, our number below one. But of course, it will be monitored. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 